Well, hello folks, and welcome to We the People. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national soccer team, and it has been so for 100 episodes. My name's Clayton. Centenario. Centenario, baby. Welcome to the Centenario. My name's Clayton. I'm a musician. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company. And we love these gnats. Oh, hell yeah. I, we must, I guess, Here's right? to 100 more. Yeah, why not? It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, welcome to a very special episode. This is The Centenario. It is the 100th roundabouts episode of this uh, this here podcast. It might be the 101. Um, but we are celebrating... It's a 100th like episode yeah yeah we we are celebrating the achievement of uh making it to 100 episodes and guess who really deserves the credit for that folks it's you the listeners uh so people it's you the people it's the people and the people are you so folks uh definitely follow us on twitter at wtp pod uh as we know you've been doing and and um we know so because we've become friends with some of you over the past hundred eps, 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 eps after eps. Um, also, uh, rate and review us online with five stars. But the biggest thing uh, you can do to help us, if, if if you enjoy the show, is of course uh, just tell a friend, just tell someone about it. That's that's how this whole thing uh, got rolling in the first place, and that's how we'll we'll continue to roll. We got some awesome stuff in line for you today. Instead of doing the normal thing where Ty and I just kind of hang out. Uh, and and insert uh, silly songs and talk gnats. We're gonna do that exact Wait same thing. Wait for Swami Jurgen to appear <laughs> in the in the ether. In the, from the ether, from from the netherwebs, uh, Swami Jurgen pops up into view. He descendeth. View. He descendeth. Yeah. Uh, today, instead, we're gonna do exactly the same thing, but with a few of you, the people. So we've got Brenda from Hawaii. Uh, she'll be up first, our conversation with her. Then we have Josh from L.A. And finally, uh, we have the Kwamdas, uh, one by the name of Kwame from New York, uh, who we love very much. So three interviews. Uh, you're going to hear them all straight back to back. And uh, let's just take a quick breath to to uh, to uh, reflect. Ty, what, in yeah, short, yeah. in short, how is it for you? How does it feel to be at 100s? So it's- it, it it feels great, and it feels great particularly because of the people who we've been able to to interact with and meet and and, and talk with, and I I think I get even more of that than you because I, I do the Twitter. So pretty much during every game, um, if I'm able to watch it live, I'm chopping it up with people on on Twitter, and it just makes the game so much more fun. Um, and it's been the 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 true highlight of doing this has been. Uh, all of all of you out there because it makes it so special for us and um, you know I think there are lots and lots of people who we would love to have on and and talk to um, and but we we selected these folks because they represent uh, a lot of the the sort of uh, because they they represent like the spectrum of listeners that we have maybe? yeah we got it we have a spectrum we have a, a, a wonderful spectrum it's a delightfully American spectrum yeah. and that's one of the things that makes me so enthused about the team and so it makes me happy that we have it in our small small but mighty <laughs> listenership and Literally. if you're a part of that listenership uh we're so grateful for for your support over the 
the three and a half years we've been doing this. Obviously, there there could have been one event that might have been nice to get to watch with all of you. Yeah, not gonna say we had to watch jealously. Can't can't say things went according to plan entirely. You cannot uh, say it went according to plan. But twenty twenty two, here we come, baby. Yeah, no. I was deal. all I was all pissed about those human rights abuses. Yep. in Qatar. Yep. Until last October, when I got super hype on the Qatar experience. <laughs> wow! All of a sudden, it sounded it's it's really started to look like the 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 other side upon which the grass will be greener. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. This must this must be overblown, right? All these accusations <laughs> can't be that bad. It's, no, it, pro- it, it, it probably great. is that bad. But you know, we got the we 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 won the bid for for the U.S. Canada Mexico deal. That that was a little bit of solace. And uh, you know what? We're we're going to a thousand eps. Uh, you know, one day. Fuck fuck another hundred. Straight to the fucking moon. Yeah. So so we're gonna be here until this team wins the goddamn thing. Um, and, uh, and, and I bet you will too, you listeners out there enjoying, uh, today. So thank you folks for making this possible, uh, for us to do this by, uh, listening, by creating memes of Jerdan Shakiri looking like Cristiano Ronaldo in a fun mirror. Uh, you know, <laughs> for, that- <laughs> for sending us gifs, for sending us fun gifs, making posters for us. Yeah. We like, uh, we adore it's that. And so uh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's so of much all, fun. Of all and- of you people. And doing the pod definitely made it hurt more uh, when when the Nats went out. But hey, that's life, right? That's why we watch the game, I guess, because we care, because it makes us care about things. You live, you love, you learn. <laughs> All about the Nats on We the People. Yes. So yeah, the, if 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 U.S. soccer did anything right, uh, it wasn't us. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, man. So, so anyways, let's without further ado dive in. We'll, we'll, we'll start out with, uh, Brenda Yoon. Well, all right, then. Up first, we've got Brenda. Yes. <laughs> doubt it. Doubt it. Doubtable. <laughs> doubt it, though. Okay. So let's see. I, I'm recording the call. I think we're good. So we're here with... Brenda Yoon, who is a fan of the show and of the national team from Hawaii. So, aside from Bobby Wood, the only person who knows about the U.S. national team in Hawaii <laughs> is here with us today, and uh, yeah. and President Obama. Aside from those two, yeah, we actually have viewing parties here. All right, all so right. There, well, yeah, there are there are some friends of mine who really enjoy watching the Nats. That's great. Uh, so yeah, tell us about it. How did you get into the team? What's your your uh, you know life journey that led you to this place where you're a fan of this team? Right. Well, I'm actually a newbie, relatively. Uh, I got into it um, the 2014 World Cup, and I guess I was just really into the the sort of spirit that I believe we will win and. Um, kind of I never was really into soccer I actually thought it was un-American because um I don't know like sometimes it ends in a draw um you know you you, you, as a spectator you're sitting there for 90 minutes and then nothing happens so there's certain things about it that kind of didn't appeal to me until 2014 and then you know just kind of the um Captain America Clint Dempsey and um hells yeah the deuce and and, um 
Josie getting hurt and then, you know, what are we going to do about the forwards and, you know, stuff like that, the storylines, mm-hmm. um, even like Suarez and, and the biting, you know, that was just, I don't know, the, all of those sorts of things really appealed to me. I thought, I thought it was really fun. And then ever since then, I kind of got into listening to podcasts and um, discovered yours, I think probably soon after. When did you guys start your... Started summer 2015. The Gold okay. Cup 2015, yeah. Okay, so I must have started. I, yeah, I must have started listening to it like very early on. Lala, you were one, yeah. of, one of the several dozen <laughs> intrepid <laughs> right. listeners. Yes. How do you know it's only a do- <laughs> several dozen? We have statistics, depressing <laughs> statistics. <laughs> but, no, and I and I continue to listen to the show. I think it's it's a fun. Um, it's a fun show whenever I listen to it. Um, I even, you know, I like following the, the baby gnats and, um, yeah. and I like hearing your commentary about kind of what was the, um, the pickup games. Ty had this like theory about having pickup games. And, mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, uh, I'm trying to indoctrinate my kids as much as I can. Right. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that really, it's fun to kind of just follow it. Um, so Brenda, I wanted to, I wanted to just jump in here and ask like a lot, I know a lot of people who, who have that un-American or have the vibe that soccer is somehow un-American or that supporting it is taking something from someone who's not American that's theirs and that we should just pay attention to, you know, American football, baseball, basketball. That's what we do. And that's our sports. Um, and so there, there, I do get that resistance from people and is there anything, I know you said you, you watched the World Cup, you enjoyed the storylines, but is there anything in particular, a moment you can remember where you, re, you, you had a turning point that something shifted in your brain and you, it clicked for you that this could be an American thing, that it, it, it's a, a positive thing or that, that somehow it's, did, did something change for you? Hmm. I, I don't think anything really changed I think I actually also had this really vague memory of the 96 women's World Cup win and like Brandy Chastain, you know, like, you know, kicking the Heck final yeah. penalty kick. And so, you know, it was sort of maybe um, kind of a nostalgia for for that win. And I don't think there had been one, you know, since then. So so then kind of just seeing the the sort of building spirit of um, fandom and stuff like that. I thought that was um, maybe the source of it. But, you know, I, I do still kind of every once in a while get frustrated watching and then and then having a result where it's sort of like, well, what was the point of that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I, I watch, um, my boyfriend is, is a big Liverpool fan, so I watch... I watch Liverpool and, um, you know, and, and then I, so you're I aware that. of what good soccer looks like actual talented players. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yeah. I want to back up a, a little bit or zoom out a little bit. You lead, you lead this ridiculous life where you live in Hawaii and you surf and write and yep. generally, uh, you know, pursue these these wonderful things. Tell us about your 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 life in general and how it kind of correlates with these friend circles who you found who 
uh, enjoy the, the national team? Yeah, well, um, I've been living in, or I, I grew up in Hawaii. I actually went to the same school as Obama, Punahou. And, um, Shout out. And then Shout I, out. I picked Shout up Punahou. surfing. I hate Punahou, though. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Take that back. Um, Reverse shout yeah. out. <laughs> but I just surfing like pretty late. Um, I I studied creative writing, um, and I just got my PhD, and I'm now kind of focusing on like fiction and novels, um, and and then I teach English at the college level, and um, and so yeah, I actually don't really have a whole lot of time. But um, soccer does tend to kind of now uh, be the thing I like to watch when I when I do have time. Um, the friends that I have, I, I I'm I'm friends with um, one of my high school friends used to play soccer, and then her her sister is kind of the um, head coach of a high school Kamehameha's um, girls team, and then um, her sister's partner is the head coach of the girls UH team. So, so we kind of all sort of, um, you know, get together and watch games, um, like important ones. And then for this past world cup, um, I was traveling, but we had like a little bracket and I ended up winning. So, uh, yeah. So, so the, the kind of prize is to actually, um, I can pick out a Jersey that I want. And I'm a huge fan, actually, of um, Tobin Heath. Um, Tobinia. I just think that she's got... The god. She's got, well, yeah, Tobinia. <laughs> yeah, she's got, like, skills. So I just really enjoy watching her. So so probably sometime closer to the Women's World Cup, I'll, I'll try to get a, a, a Heath jersey. But, um, yeah, so, I, you know, it's just kind of a fun thing. Um, yeah. The bracket was just kind of, you know, guess the winners and stuff like that. Yeah, we attempted Man. to do a bracket that I submitted. I forgot to submit until the day of, and then our we bracket. didn't do a bracket. Our bracket next, challenge next was time, lame. Next time, Qatar. I did, we get I, on that. I did close that loop and paid KDOT, KevBot, $50 for defeating me. However, I predicted that Croatia and England would go deep, but I was wrong about literally everything else. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't enough to save you. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, yeah. Tell us about the the soccer scene in general in in Hawaii. You mentioned the um, youth teams. Like, is that is it something that you see driving down the highway? You see kids practicing or playing, or is is it more American football, surfing, other outdoor stuff? I actually think that soccer is pretty popular in in Hawaii. Um, I see a lot of um, you know youth youth leagues, ASO, and other. I don't know how many different leagues there are. So I think it, it is popular, but um, but there's a lot of competition, you know, with other sports. And um, most recently, we won the Little League World Cup. the The Hawaii team won the won the Little League World Cup. So or World, awesome. what is it? World the, the baseball one. Yeah, 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 really? the baseball one. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Those so, kids are awesome, man. I like the coverage of that. Uh, we should we should learn something. They had for uh, for that uh, World Series, they had the kids would say like their favorite player. And like their favorite activities, and they just had like little a little bar about Cute something thing. personal. Right. Yeah, right, and right. some of them were like trolling heavy. Like one of the kids put his favorite player was himself. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was uh, Chad Ochocinco's son. Yeah. 
but I yeah, it's a you know Hawaii's pretty into and and maybe actually part of it is that we don't get professional sports here. Like right, I mean, right. there's just no logistical way to have it, and so. Um, so I think the kids kind of like crave that sort of activity and, um, and so, and maybe parents do too. So they really encourage their kids to kind of participate in, in club sports and at schools. But when I I went to Punao, it's a really competitive school. And so there was just no way I was going to play. I I mean, I don't know a single thing about like soccer abilities or skills. (laughs) I just, you know, now I just like watching it. So, um, but but I think that there is kind of like a, a good, um, and the climate lends to that too here. Right. So you can, you can pretty much play all year round and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good, I, I think, I think we're, we're pretty good when it comes to the, the sort of spirit and, and following. Do you get kids playing like out in the, out in the park of a, of, a, of an afternoon of a Sunday out with the ball, you know, just fooling yes. around? Yeah, yeah, I see that a lot. I mean, it's a small island, so um, I, I my boyfriend actually played in the like older leagues, and and yeah. he was telling me stories about kind of you know how intense things are, and and um, you know like having co- like having what is it managers or something tell you like you know kick the ball into space, and and then they're like, why do that if you can just dribble it and do the tiki taka style, you know? And so there is sort of like. Um, even later in life, opportunities for for people to to kind of participate in sports and stuff. Right, so right. I think, yeah, we're lucky. I think we're really yeah. lucky. I get I get really frustrated around here. I live in the suburbs of New Jersey, where there's like green space everywhere, as as far as the eye can see, uh, available to anyone, and there's no kids playing. Right. And it's just right. it it feels like a, a tremendous waste because you know they're not doing anything more productive. They're you know. <laughs> playing Minecraft for the 1100th hour this, this month or whatever. Yeah. Or, or they're, they're sitting on the bench in an indoor ASO league. Right. Like, exactly. Trying, like, trying exactly. to impress like a, or like a running cones coach. or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. And they right. should be, they should be just getting touches, just yeah, walk around playing. with a soccer ball. And occasionally I see it and it makes me happy, but I'm curious, like as I travel this union, I, I was expecting <laughs> when I went to LA for the first time recently, I was like, oh, there's going to be kids all over the place with soccer balls. Not so. Even in LA, I thought if anywhere in the country, it would be there. But it sounds like Hawaii is a good spot. Yeah, I think it is also the size of the community. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy to get involved. Right. Um, there's, not, there's not kind of an intimidation factor or, um, you know, wide open spaces. It's right. like you can see them coming together and convening. So that's... that's a benefit that we have, I guess. Yeah. Are living you, on a are living you, on a rock? <laughs> yeah. So you're 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 from Hawaii. You said you went to high school there from mm-hmm. Hawaii, right? There are you when you watch Bobby Wood, we have a lot of fun at Bobby yeah. Wood's expense on this show. <laughs> oh the uh, I would love to oh, know boy. I would love to know love the guy, but man, does he do some laughable stuff. I would love to know your perspective on watching Bobby Wood. What does that feel like? Uh, do you do you get a welling sense of pride, or is there <laughs> when he u- utterly whiffs and screams at the sky? H- hits is himself there a in the face sh- with the ball. <laughs> sense of shame. Yeah. What's it like? <laughs> no, I. You know, actually, the, I think our um, our prize uh, local boy is Brian Ching. I think, sure. and, and sure. he's kind of 
you know, the ah, older, word the older generation. The, the OG so, Bobby Wood. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> all the talent and all the perplexing misses. <laughs> right. So, so when and when I look at Bobby Wood, I'm like, oh yeah, he kind of looks like me, you know, like he looks like a local boy. But honestly, I don't think. I mean, he was sort of born in Hawaii and maybe like lived there for up till elementary school, possibly. But I think he ended up moving to California. I, I read about his story somewhere, but um, so so he doesn't feel like a real local boy to me. So I'm not like a, I'm not the biggest fan, <laughs> but I'm not like I'm not as harsh as you guys. <laughs> yeah, jeez, yeah, man, that yeah. was that. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I love the Brian Ching shout out, man. He's the man. He deserves more attention on all levels in every way. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Um, as a writer, so you mentioned you said you know in 2014 what drew you in were storylines, and that makes a lot of sense if you're a literary minded person. Um, what are the narratives that you see? You know, within a game, within the the story around a game that you feel are are really compelling, uh, and if you you know if, if you were someday to sort of fictionalize or, or work with soccer as a part of your uh, your right. writing, what would what would draw you in the most? Well, I I was just sort of thinking about kind of the uh, starting lineup and and the fact that they keep that first that starting eleven pretty late into the game. And I'm always shouting at the TV because I I wish they made their subs earlier. Oh, like I'm yes. constantly <laughs> hands up emoji. I just don't understand why they wait until like the 75th minute to put their first sub in. You know, like like maybe 60th I think is is a reason a more reasonable maybe even at halftime if like somebody really sucks. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean that's sort of a story. And line somebody to me. always like, really sucks. Right. <laughs> Someone. Right. It's like, and then the coaches are sort of like, figure it out. You know, I just want yeah. them to figure it out. I'm like, well, I mean, it didn't work for 45 minutes, <laughs> yeah, do something. you know, seven minutes. So like do something. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of a, a fun thing to watch. I'm always waiting for the, the first substitution. Um, and then, and then I think another storyline that I tend to really l- enjoy is the like the last I don't know extra time and and the last few minutes just holding out because there's lots of late goals and you know the defense kind of like falls apart and so stuff like that I think is is fun because and the game opens up because um, the players are more tired so I think those are sort of um, things that kind of keep you engaged in the game. And there, there's a tremendous amount of human drama also that goes in kind of behind the scenes of, of the game. Like I think about this a lot of the time with the women's players where the, the players who make the world cup teams, you know, they're maybe financially stable for the next four years to try to make the next world cup team. Uh, right. The yeah. players who get cut on that last day and then they go back to, uh, you know, $40,000 a year club team having to coach on the side. I mean, that's got to be brutal. And I, I would imagine the kind of, um, the kind of narratives that they have in their head of their, their kind of ascension and their journey and their craft. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does kind of even mirror that of an artist because an artist mm-hmm. has to, has to struggle and, and scrap away at, at, uh, at everything in order to, to find that, like to, to reach the 1% who's successful. So I wonder mm-hmm. if that's something you've you've uh, you've thought about as well. This these uh, 
I it's maybe I drama. just try to block that <laughs> you block it out. out. <laughs> Living <laughs> yeah, blissfully like grits, thinking yeah. about the the struggle. I may, maybe Clayton can kind of identify with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I identify. I yeah. I guess I don't necessarily I do rap music. Uh I also work in restaurants, the embarrassing truth revealed for all. Um <laughs> Yeah, do I see a core? I think in ter- I think in sports terms a lot about this kind of stuff. Like when I when I get when I go to a new city, for instance, I consider it a new league, you know. And like the, right. there's like the Premier League in New York, and you know the the um, Spanish league is in is in L.A. for what I do. And then right now I'm in the Bundesliga out here in Seattle, you know. And I'm trying to get to Liverpool. That's mm. what I want to do. But, and and so I do think about it like that, or I get I get some uh, some venue gives me a chance. We're gonna have you, we're gonna slot you in here. That's you know a coach giving me fifteen minutes at the end of a game, and I'm gonna like try to nail right, it, you know. Right. But I I grew up playing soccer, so it's like I think about cooking eggs like it's a soccer game too. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Nice. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out that metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think too hard. It's it's a random choice of activity that has nothing to do with sports, which I will still apply sports to. Right. Right. That's all that means. If you if you scramble your eggs, that's the Jurgen Klinsmann right. method. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So Brenda, it's been so awesome having you on. You're a delightful person. We're we're so appreciative of you taking the time. Um, I want to give our listeners a sense of your work, where they can find you, um, how, you know, how people can support your, your, uh, writing and, and all, all that you have going on. So where can people find you? Oh, oh, don't worry about that. I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too visible on social media right okay. now. I'm kind of like in my little, in my shell right now, but, but I, I guess the easiest place would be on Twitter. Um, that's how I kind of keep engaged with you guys. And, um, so my hand, my handle is Brenda Yun at, uh, at Brenda Yun. So, um, you can find my website and all that stuff through there. We'll we'll leave it at that. And then they'll have to be on the lookout for, for dope fiction coming up. There you go. Right. Coming up later. Later. Sorry, real quick. Tell us about the surfing. The surfing? Yeah. This is, this is a a life passion. What is surfing? (laughs) <laughs> what is what is what be surf? Yeah, so I actually picked up surfing when I turned 26, and um, I just said, "Oh, I'm going to buy a board. I'm going to go every single day um, for a month, no matter what. I'm not going to look at the conditions." And once you get into it that way, then you never really look back. I um, yeah, I just find it really relaxing, and we're lucky here to. To basically, if you want to go surf, you can go any day of the week, and the conditions are great. And um, any side of the island, there's there's going to be a wave, and um, and it's getting more popular here, which is a little unfortunate. It gets pretty crowded, competitive, but um, but I mean, it's sort of a lifestyle. So um, so yeah, I I haven't been in the water for a while, but. Um, I've been a little too busy with other things, but but it's kind of one of my my biggest passions, All right. along with writing. All right, yeah, keep at it. So so I'm going to be expecting a novel that weaves together yes. uh, President Oscar. Obama right. surfing <laughs> Liverpool, yeah. and Brian Ching has and to Brian show Ching. up in the latter parts yeah. for a cameo in which he uh, provides amazing advice for our female that, protagonist. That idea a is sub, free. A late, a late sub. 
Yes. <laughs> You're welcome, Brenda. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, and thank you for your support of our show. Yeah, I hope you guys keep keep uh, going at it. Thank you very much. I really much. enjoy listening to it. We're not going anywhere, Brenda. Centenario, 100 more. Let's go. Up next, a conversation with Josh. We're here with Josh Kranz, who is, if, if there's an OG listener, Josh, Josh is the OG Kranz. listener. Uh, and so Josh is repping for all of you who've been there from the beginning, who heard a lot of, um, shall we say, unrefined pods, some, some <laughs> audio difficulties, some, some technical, some timing difficulties, some episodes coming some... out hours before games. <laughs> <laughs> there were some rather long pauses between. Yeah, so some long pauses. <laughs> um, and has seen us, you know, we're, we're now uh, slightly less roughshod. Still, still quite yeah. roughshod, but um, I just embrace the long pauses and the editing nightmares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're self-aware. I think. Yeah, that's good. That's yes, good. as a uh, as a true U.S. fan would, well yeah. trained. And and Josh is a teacher out in California. He is uh, he is crushing it on the moral spectrum, as we just discussed off air, uh, <laughs> changing lives, making the world a better place, all that shit. And so we are here to get Josh's perspective because we think that uh, in order for the national team to ever be successful in any form, it's going to take Josh and the Joshes of the world to come together to support this team when nobody else will, when people do not give a damn about this team. We need people who give a damn. And that's you, Josh. So what led welcome you to, to this the place? Show. Welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, what, what led you to this place where you, you love the Nats? Oh, man, it goes way back. Um, I, my dad was my soccer coach growing up since I was a wee little lad. And uh, he took me to a U.S.-Mexico game at the Rose Bowl Holla. in Pasadena. And I was like nine and I didn't. I was just like, "Oh, fun! We're going to a soccer game. This sounds great." And then there were about seventy-five thousand Mexican fans there, and my dad was right. very. It was very protective of me and my little brother, two tiny little chubby white kids walking through the Rose Bowl. <laughs> it was like, it was it was amazing. Like I was just hooked, like instantly addicted to like. I was so envious of the Mexican team, not for being better at soccer because they were, but for like the fan base and like I wanted that so bad to like like the whole everyone in the cheap seats and the great and the expensive seats all of it were just were just so amped for that game it was just so friendly like no one cared right but everyone cared and I was just like yeah. oh my god I love this and I want to be a part of it but also I want to be on the American side of it and not the Mexican side of it so that's where it started and then every time they're in Southern California I've gone with my dad almost every time since. So that was that was twenty twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been fun. So I've gone to the U.S. U.S. Mexico games are still my favorite for sure. I went to the yeah. Gold Cup when they in New York because I happened to be in New York. Did you really? Time. Yeah, when we lost like five one, I think yeah, or five zero, maybe five zero. Yeah, went alone, so no. <laughs> By myself, thinking best best way to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, New York <laughs> solo dolo. 
There will be a lot of Mexican fans here because we don't order Mexican. Literally, that was my thought process. Oh, yeah. How naive. Yes. Google search would have shown me that there's a ton of So I showed up and was like, oh, my God, it's just like the Rose Bowl. And every goal that Mexico scored, I got multiple beers poured all over me. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the jungle, baby. (laughs) It was amazing. And it was, again, just one of those moments. I think I was 21 at that time. And I was just like, God, I'm going to love this my whole life. Like, it's so fun. Like, where else does this happen? And, like, me not getting a fight. Like, it was just like, yeah, you're right. We're getting our ass kicked by Mexico. So I deserve to get uh, beer poured on me. Them's the rules. That's yeah. how it works, dude. That's, <laughs> that's what it says it on the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are there are these spiritual experiences almost that that you can have at a at a soccer match that I've never even come close to experiencing at a at another sporting event. I don't know if that's something about if if like if it's something inherent to people that makes them react that way, or if it's something inherent about the game that mm. brings that out in in people. What do you think? Well, I think it's like soccer, it's so difficult to do it well, right? Like the game is so hard that when your team is able to beat another team, in particular, your team repping your country is able to beat another country at it. It's like, I feel like I'm a part of that, even though I'm not on the field. Like I feel like I can see it. And it's like this whole thing where like every single touch they make, like I know what they're trying to do and I see the plan and like, and if it's not going well, I feel like they're not listening to like the strategy that should be implemented. Like, because I understand the game, right? It's like, why aren't you doing this? So I feel like I'm a part of it. Um, and I think like most other sports, like football or basketball, where points are scored so regularly, it's just not as exciting when something goes in, right? Like that moment happens in football when someone makes like an epic one-handed catch because it's like, whoa, that's hard to do. And like this is a this is a, as you said like a spiritual moment almost of just like I respect that so much that like I can't help but feel something. But like soccer goals are that hard <laughs> for the most right, part. Right. Yeah. 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 And it hits your chin and goes in. But anyone else, yeah. <laughs> like most soccer goals. So yeah. Hard so I notice you've got some Steelers. You've got some Steelers gear back there. We're conducting this recording over a video call. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it's it's common American experience to to be a fan of American sports and soccer and there's a little bit of a tension there. Uh, so can you tell can you tell us how you balance those? Yeah, so uh, football was always my favorite sport to watch growing up. Um, and my dad is was it, born in Pittsburgh, so there's like, a lot of cool graphics in football. You know, it's like watching lightsaber battles. <laughs> <laughs> you just get hooked when you're a small child, right? And then that's when like back when. We didn't know what concussions were, and like we thought, <laughs> right? And like minor oversight. It's so really? hilarious how they like can't stand up for thirty seconds. It's great, yeah. right? We thought that was so fun at the time, um, but like that, like uh, that aspect of like the the joy of watching an exciting game is something I always did or I always had. Uh, but my parents didn't let me play football because they were afraid of me. Uh, tearing my ACL, um, which is ironic because you do that a lot in soccer too. <laughs> but they didn't. Yeah, why that injury? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. they just my Expensive. mom knew a bunch of people <laughs> that tore their ACL playing football. So gotcha. Was like you can't gotcha. do that. Okay. Uh, which is good. Like now that I know about head injuries, I'm happy about it. Um, even though soccer has its fair share as well. But 
so yeah, it was like I watched football as my favorite, um, and it was like something that everyone talked about. But then I played it, and it was like my niche sport, where like it wasn't as common, but it was my sport to play. So yeah. And did, yeah. did you grow up in that area, the greater like SoCal area? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm SoCal born and raised. And yeah. he- hence the Steeler fandom. That actually makes complete sense. It's like all yeah. Steeler and Cowboy fans. Yeah. Yeah. The LA has every fan, basically, yeah. except for LA teams now. Um, <laughs> it's a trans city, so most people are not from here. And then we didn't have a team forever. So, like, my dad's from Pittsburgh. He was transplanted here. Um, and so like I just grew up like in Pittsburgh and now I like, I casually root for LA teams for the Chargers and the Rams, but it's like, I don't really care because right. I grew up right. with my loyalty and I'm very loyal to my teams always. Um, LA is an interesting city to be in right now from an MLS perspective too, yeah. because you have, uh, an older failing franchise and you have a new shiny, beautiful stadium with this new oh. team, cool logo cool team um how's that playing out you know i don't know are you are you a a a major fan of either side how how has mls uh interacted with with your life and your soccer experience in la yeah so i just said i'm super loyal but i just i just (laughs) transplanted just in a second (laughs) it's that black and gold vibe the black and gold part of the steel no so i was like I wasn't really an MLS fan growing up. I didn't really care. Like my dad would take me to Galaxy games because they were what we had. Something uh, to do. It's something to do. It's like right. you know, you go yeah. see a movie. Maybe go go see some soccer. Hit up Rodeo. And watch on an amateur soccer game is basically what it. Right. That's yeah. what the MLS was for me growing up. Was a very expensive way to see shitty soccer. <laughs> uh, so uh, I did that because he wanted to do it. I was like, sure, I'll go. But like, I watched. Like I'm a huge Fulham fan in the Premier League. Back in the Premier League, I'm so excited about. Um, but I watched them growing up because they had like a bunch of Americans on their sure. team, and so like the Galaxy, I was like, sure, whatever, fine. But then when LAFC came, like their my school's right by USC, the school that I teach at, and so the, their stadium is like actually in LA and not you know Carson, which is a suburb right. of LA. Right. Um, so like my students were all like wearing LAFC stuff instead of their school uniforms. Um, which I loved because it was just like before the team even existed, they were already into it. And I was just like, sure. Oh, I got swept sure. up. It was, it was so fun to see them excited about a team. Cause I had never seen that. Here that before. is very exciting. Yeah. And you know, it's cool when, you know, kids are doing it right? yeah. at, a, at a certain point. We stopped being the barometer on what's cool. Yeah. Oh, that we've crossed yeah, that Matt. point, my friend. We've crossed that point. <laughs> I felt like I held on for a few years there, but you know, it's good. You're right. You're right. <laughs> as the math teacher, I don't see myself as the the cool. You know, the I don't set the bar. I see what the cool kids are doing. Like, okay, excellent. I am cool. Josh, I think you're cool, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're cool. Uh, we, I, I've noticed that just like I'm near the high school here, so I see you know kids coming coming home from school, and there's a lot of soccer stuff. It feels like maybe it's my own selective like uh, eyesight because I'm such a soccer nerd, but I feel like I see more soccer you know gear than I yeah. do gear of other sports among you know un- the under twenty set. Um, I feel that's part of why I feel like this this thing has to happen at some point because there's just so much momentum 
yet year after year it continues to to worsen in in some ways to not happen to not happen and and last year being the the, the nadir of this uh yeah. a, a a local minima if you will uh, yeah. of, of this of this soccer <laughs> soccer uh curve that we're on and so it's I I don't know Math what to do jokes, with that guys. Everyone just fell asleep. Sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, that joke that made me really happy. Except I said minimum, uh, yeah, no, minimum. I, that's that that's a Latin joke. <laughs> so, all right, back to okay. back to sports. But no, I I completely agree. I think I've had so many students. Even when I I taught middle school a few like four years ago, I've had so many students like, hey, did you watch El Clasico? You know, like where it's just it's becoming the thing to watch. Like more students tell me about what happened in Europe for club matches than Monday Night Football. Um, Like part of the it's part of it's just it's a part of our culture now. It's becoming more so like it's it's on major networks on TV and um, the students or teenagers know who all these stars are. You know, they know I mean, the things they know about the superstars in terms of their actual daily lives. I'm I like, know, I, I know. It's absurd. I don't understand it. Like they just play soccer. They're like, no, no, they have this kind of car. Like they know because they follow them on social media. Sure, like, sure. Them. Yeah. And I, and I love it. Cause I know that that means like that has a snowball effect long-term. Right. Cause that's right. how Europeans are, right? Like right. all their soccer stars are in their newspaper and on the news and just everything. They're all over social media. They're superstars over there. So we need that same thing. We need to view soccer as like, a way to make money and a way to, to be become yeah. yeah yeah what what do you think it'll take though for those kids to actually care about the US national team because as i mentioned my my eye test turns up a lot of soccer gear but not a lot of uh, christian Pulisic jerseys unfortunately <laughs> you're not a lot of jerseys yet even though i do love the black and yellow version of dortmund cuz you know i oh, love yeah. black and- oh yeah <laughs> um black and but- yellow black and yellow black and yellow <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, i've heard so many people talking about him which that is a good step one all right like people okay. don't all right. All right. talk about like uh who's a good you know who's a good example it's like even when dempsey was in his prime sure yeah he was not a part of like american culture right, right? yeah if you if you followed soccer you knew who he was right but like if you just asked the random person on the street who's a famous American, like they'd probably still say Landon Donovan. I think I saw a video one one of the late night shows. They sent Dempsey out to a park in New York City to ask people about what they thought of the World Cup. And and he was asking people about the captain and people were talk, telling him about Donovan's goals that he scored. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, like I, I'm in, you know, I'm in like the heart of Los Angeles, right? I'm not in a suburb, I'm in LA. And I saw... Um, Fabian Johnson in a coffee shop, right? Nice, right baby, baby. It wasn't like a, I didn't have time to chat with him. He had like a little. He had his boys, and they're all speaking German to each other. And I was like, <laughs> I want to get ass kicked by their by his little yeah, garage, exactly. You know? It's a motorcycle was, gang. They just asked. I was just yeah, exactly. And I was like, if this were in any other, if this were like a, uh, an LA Laker or right, like right. there was a mob around him, and this fool's just chilling in a coffee shop, like. So we're not at the level where, like, the non-Pulisics are recognized, right? Right, like, exactly. We still have a long ways to go. But um, 
but I think I think with these young guys going to Europe, that like that will become more normal. And Fox yeah. Sports has been really smart about like really hyping up German league because they have a bunch of really young Americans over there. Like, right. So, yeah. 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 So, hey, Josh, who's uh, who's your favorite fishing? I, I call no politics. Uh, Tyler Adams. Oh. Is he hey. still, uh, is yeah, he's still still, still a fishy. Yeah, uh, um, Olympic eligible. I love watching him play. Like fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's just so fun. And he like when he he flips the switch, you can see when he flips the switch. Yeah, where he's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna do it." Right? Yeah. Like I, I'm not gonna wait for anyone else to do it around me. Like I'm just gonna do it. And he just orchestrates these moments. And I when he has that flip of the switch moment, like oh, I get so excited. So, love it. I mean, he, he's like the build around. It's yeah. it's crazy because I, 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 you know, we initially thought that Polisic is the build around. Yeah. But the more we see these the the two midfielders, Weston and and Tyler, it's like no, you actually put them on the field and you let Polisic, you know, go do his thing, and he'll he'll yeah. he'll get you a, a goal every other game, right. just at, out of being himself, you know. But you don't have to like construct a tactical system based on him. You you do it based on the fact that no one is getting through that midfield. It's it's right. yeah, and we're we're lucky too because we really ought not to do that with Polisic. You know, he's used to being, he's used yeah. to assimilating into a system right, right, exactly. of players that are better than him, and we don't really have that. But we can maybe get a system. Unfortunately, here. he's running out of Dortmund players who are better than him. <laughs> they just keep yeah. selling them. I mean, his U.S. national team, and it's, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah ne- next thing you know, they have this this friendly in uh, in in trinidad and it's somehow it's, yeah they they have to get a result or the stock price will tumble yeah. he's back in the same shower where, where, oh Josh, did you hear about this did we report this on the show how i think so there was there was the big article um that that came out a, a couple months ago that was like a the you know ten thousand word expose on the 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 collapse and the the vignette from it that was the most the most heart-wrenching was that all uh, multiple players reported that after the game, what got to them was the fact that Polisic was in the shower in his uniform crying. If that's not true, I don't want to find out. <laughs> that's <laughs> so bad. That's to take this like man. eighteen, I guess he was nineteen last year. Yeah, yeah. nineteen, eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid, and put him in a position where like his country is counting on him to pull them out of this mess that wasn't his fault. And and that all that mismanagement and all that failure from all these different grown men led to yeah. this kid being responsible for figuring out a solution. It's just tragic. Which was frustrating because they put it on one kid, and they should have put it on five or six kids. Exactly. Exactly. But instead, they were like, "Let's take the one kid who's known, and then a bunch of thirty to thirty-five-year-old right. MLS players, right. and it just it it, it was too Disaster. much for him." Yeah, because there's nothing to work with, right? Like, he's, yeah. if, when you have a star, and there's, you know, he'll try, he'll start. You can see him start to orchestrate these runs, and then just doesn't get the return pass. Right, and it's like, well, he, what's he supposed to do? Like, he can't, he can't beat Trinidad by himself. Like soccer, that's one thing I love about soccer. It's like right. one super, one superstar does not make your team great. Like, they have to work with someone. You can't just dribble around everybody. Yeah. And I like your point too, Josh, that they should have put it on five or six kids. Like, why are we willing? Why are we suddenly willing to risk it with this kid right. when who really we didn't have much experience seeing him play more, right. no more than a Weston McKenney or at the time. 
and you know, and yet for some reason he was the only one that got the green light. You know, right. and is that just media? Is that just press coverage? Was he really that much better than the other y- youngsters at the time? I mean, Tyler Adams was already respected in MLS at that time, right? I think yeah. it's you hear this a lot with NFL coaches, right? Where like the old guard of NFL coaches don't like to try anything risky because if they're going to lose, they want it to be close, right? Exactly. Like if that, exactly. Get if they're losing 24-27 and they finish 8-8 eight and eight on the year, they're not going to get fired. Or if they do, they're going to get hired by someone else. But to go, if we took a bunch of young kids and lost 3-0, then like you're guaranteeing that everyone's going to get fired. Like, and that coach will likely not, that's going to be much more difficult for that coach to find another job. Right. 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 But if it's like a hard fought, you know, you lose by one and it's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's CONCACAF. It's hard. Right. Like that coach. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like this, like if it's not risking it because you, you're like, it's self-preservation. Yeah. Which is frustrating. It's like, but what if you brought those, you know, not collectively, you don't have to have a team of 21 year olds, but like these kids who have earned it and run circles around these older MLS players that you're taking. What, what if we go down there and win five zero or zero and just smash them? Like, yeah, yeah. Dare, dare to dream, right? right. Dare to dream. And Bruce Arena was definitely in that kind of a position. And, and that was, you know, one of needing to rather having a 75% performance than a maybe 90, maybe 60. Um, you know, with these kids taking the risk. And we had, uh, meanwhile, just watched Jurgen Klinsmann somehow do exactly the reverse. Like, every moment he was blowing up the plan just for, like, attention. Or but he something. was, like, blowing up the plan to bring in, you know, he was like, okay, well, we can't possibly lose Jermaine Jones out of the lineup because he's old. So let's try center back. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, that's not the answer. The answer is this this kid who's coming up at, you know, somewhere in MLS who's doing well. Like, give him a shot. And right. it just it it this isn't a question for Josh, but it just kills me that yeah. in this during the last cycle, Jermaine Jones started a qualifier and Tyler Adams didn't. So, so I just think like, and that that Trinidad game was not even what was it eleven months ago. So that what you're telling me is that Tyler Adams, who's clearly one of the top five American soccer players, was not good enough eleven months ago to play <laughs> to get, the most important yeah. game. To sub on in, maybe? Sub you know, on in? 75th? Anything? Oh, uh, we did have DeMarcus Beasley on the bench. So, <laughs> so there was that. Sam Zussi was playing right back, wasn't he? Like, oh, my God. Something, it's so, it's oh so fr- like, you hear these names, and you're just like, oh, my God. Why do I still love this um, game? But I do. This is a question. <laughs> Where were you on that fateful night? What was your experience? I still haven't watched that game. <laughs> hey, major, major bomb drop. Mike, yeah. here's what happened. <laughs> I, I watched every qualifying match, and then we had parent conferences that night. Which sure, sure, no like, about the kids. No, listen, bro. Listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah moral thing. Don't worry about it. I'm just <laughs> over here, guys. That's why. So I get home at about nine o'clock. So parent conferences go late. And I'm like, I say to my, to my wife, I'm like, hey, I need to watch the U.S. game. And she just stops. She's like, you don't know what happened? And I was like, why would, whoa, spoiler alert, like, hello, no, I'm going to stop it. What are you doing? And she, she You're just. You're doing it right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, 
she was like, don't watch it. I was like, what the hell? What wow. do you mean don't watch it? She was trying, she was trying to look yeah. out for me. Yeah. And she, she just pulls it up on her phone. She pulls up World Cup standings and rips the Band-Aid off and just holds it up to me. And I, like, I almost collapsed where it's us in fifth place, right? Like it's all, it's yeah, all done place. and it's us. And I, it's the most dramatic thing ever, but I kid you not a single tear just fell from my feet. <laughs> I'm not lying. Just and I sat there in silence for about an hour and I had it on my DVR for like, I don't know, six months. And I just, I turned it on once and I watched like the first five minutes and was just like, I can't, I can't do this. I want, I want Vim Vendors to film the scene where six <laughs> months later you finally decide to delete that game and it's all one shot. It's very slow. And at the end of it, you eat a bag of chips. Yep. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> That that might yeah. be the most epic night of story I've ever heard. It's, that your I mean, your wife deserves some props because that yeah. that was a real shouts to your wife. Peep nomination to your wife. Yeah, right now. she might get a peep. Yeah. I all I also did uh, about an hour of silence at a, on a nearby bench, which I now walk by in uh, in in fear and terror. You need to put like a little memorial thing, you know, like put an imprint of your feet there at the bench in the concrete. My single tear. Yeah. Uh, Josh, thank you so Josh, much. We so appreciate you. Uh, the fact that you've been with us for as long as you have is unbelievably meaningful to us. Uh, you, you know, you're you're amongst good company, as I as I hope you'll see listening back to this episode. Very small We've got you nestled. Of good company. Yeah, it's, it's yeah we we like to think of it as exclusive and exclusive. elite. Yes, of course. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, that's it has how been I view myself in general. So yes, yes. And <laughs> we appreciate you taking the time. The end of a busy day. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of your support. And uh, let's let's win one of these things. And, sure. and me, I'll I'll be me, out on the streets of LA with you. For sure. Let me flip the script though, and I it was during qualifying. I, I listen to podcasts regularly for a lot of things, and I it was about once a month for probably a year or two that I would just search USMNT on the podcast app, and the same old things were coming up. And like every time I listened to one, it was like, yes, but this is not addressing how I feel, and like this is not addressing like the grassroots element. And then YouTube pop up. And it's just like, our goal is to build a culture from the ground up. And I'm just like, oh, my yes. God. <laughs> this is what I've been searching for. Like, I need people talking about this stuff and not just who the call-ups are, but, like, why and why that matters long-term and, like, why settling for a tie is not okay and as opposed to just, like, well, CONCACAF is hard. Like, I was so tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. And you guys came in and were just like, let's talk about this. Like, why not? Let's, why can't we talk about it? And it's... It's been awesome. Like anytime a game is coming up or a game has already happened, I'm instantly just like, okay, what are my people saying? Your <laughs> 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 response is, I need to like this, me listening and not responding is like, I'm part of the conversation because I'm like in my car by myself, just like, no, that's not fucking right. Thanks like, <laughs> with you. So there's no other podcast where I can do that. So I, I want to say thank you for that, giving me an outlet to like, you know, get my frustrations out there and talk about them. And, you know, this is, it's a frustrating team to, to love. 
But we got to get through it. Yeah, that's we're why we do it. it together. We're doing it, That's man. so we're kind of you to right say, now. Josh. Really appreciate that. Um, where can people find you? I guess Twitter would probably be the best place if people want to follow a, uh, a very interesting mishmash Twitter account. Yes. My Twitter is random education stuff and then a lot of fantasy football stuff and then me screaming about the U.S. national team. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, at Kronzi Roto. Um, K-R-O-N-Z-I-R-O-T-O Kronzi Roto um, then all of my other social medias are private because I don't want kids seeing me when I drink so yeah fair fair, <laughs> fair. fair. Yeah. yeah thank you so much Josh sure guys thanks for having me on right on moving along now to Kwame we're here with Kwame the legend of all legends when it comes to the legend the is real because when the when the listener count was in the single digits <laughs> Kwame was one of the digits okay so we're talking there's there's OG and then there's Kwame this is true this so is true. and and Kwame has a a, a very uh, you know interesting story Kwame, with the game yeah. Kwame is is first ten listeners and also like crucial part of the up the the raising of the hosts and creators of the show. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot the entire involvement in our childhoods. (laughs) (laughs) We we met Kwame as as uh, young men. Yeah. And uh, and became friends through through church, and so we've we've known Kwame a long time, but we did not know until we were adults that that Kwame was such a giant footy head. Uh, a Liverpool fan, a USM&T faithful. Uh, welcome, Kwame. Welcome to the show. After 100 okay. episodes, we finally Such have you glowing. on this actual show. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Such a glowing uh, introduction. Oh, uh, man. Well, we, we've been just so thankful for your support and, and uh, listenership when you've showed up in our uh, post-game YouTube sessions, also increasing the, the viewer count. By like a significant percentage of time, <laughs> and and have have uh, appreciated what we've been doing. We've been trying to you know put good stuff out there and and hope that you know people get a kick out of it. So we're so grateful that that you've uh, you've been been along for the ride, and um, we yeah uh, grateful to to have a, a buddy who is so into the game like we are. Um, so maybe we can start there a little bit. Uh, What's your history with soccer, your, your progression into the sport, how you came to have this as part of your, your life? How'd you get sucked in? Sure. So, um, yeah, my story starts pretty early. So, um, my, uh, you know, I'm first generation, um, uh, much like you guys. Uh, uh, so both my parents are from Ghana, um, and, uh, you know, so I was born here. And so, really, soccer was, like, the first game that I played. Um, I mean, some of my earliest memories are kind of in the backyard with uh, my brothers. I have two brothers very close in age, sort of kicking the soccer ball with my dad. Um, And, you know, we did kind of like other stuff, you know, baseball, whatever. But that was really, for my dad, that was sort of like the main sport that he had sort of, you know, sort of grown up playing. And so that's what, that's where it started for us. Um, And uh, we always pretty much sort of played soccer <laughs> in some form, me and my brothers, until we, you know, from the time we could kind of walk. Um, you know, we always played, like, in the summer. 
um, you know, played on our high school teams, um, and, uh, you know, always were, uh, my, and travel teams as well, kind of in the summer, um, Ooh. out of the, you know, out of all of my, all right, Kwame, out of all my siblings, I was actually the worst, I would say at soccer, um, uh, the latest to sort of make like the varsity team. Um, uh, my, uh, my younger brother is the best athlete and actually went up to play, he didn't play Division One soccer, although he could have. He played Division One lacrosse, but um, but yeah, that's sort of where it started Damn. for me. And um, I, you know, I played kind of club pickup soccer in college. You know, nothing kind of more than that. But um, so that's why my playing started. But my fandom really picked up um, around the time of the 1994 World Cup, um, and I think that's probably a story for like a lot of people. But yeah. Um, that's when, um, you know, I had known about, you know, when the U S qualified in 1990, but couldn't watch it. And, you know, so I'm, I'm 40, um, which is <laughs> still a little weird for me to say, but I'm 40. You know? I'm so a like, man. I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, 1994, right. You know, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in high school, right. I'm sort of, yeah. you know, 15, 16. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to watch soccer kind of at that point yeah dude also my parents didn't allow us to have cable tv um so but the 1994 world cup brought cable tv into my life <laughs> because that was the only way we could watch it and that was the only way we convinced my parents that cable was worth having in order to watch the 1994 world cup our father watched, forbade video this is, games this until is why we got sports Madden. are yeah, yeah, I was. That's exactly yeah. the anecdote I wanted to bring up. Sorry. This, is, this is why sports are important. They bring they bring cable TV and and game cubes into our lives. <laughs> I still wasn't like manna from heaven. Cable TV. Uh, and and parents got rid of it after the World Cup. But that's another story. But, <laughs> that's um, hardcore. Yeah, but that '94 World Cup, savage. I you know I watched. I think I watched this about every game. You know, because back then we had sure, these stars. Yeah. Right, half of your listeners aren't going to know what a VCR is, but <laughs> but you know, we re- recorded kind of all the games. The U.S. you know had that great run, the game against Colombia, which yeah, no one course, expected yeah. us to win. Um, you know, the game against Brazil, where we kind of went toe to toe with the eventual winners. Almost there. Um, and but just also seeing all like the other teams and like the the you know the pageantry of it, but also starting to learn about. Uh, you know, the club game in other countries, mm. you know, then like, oh, you mean good soccer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, it was really like, hard to watch sort of prior to that. But, you know, like watching like Baggio and watching like Bobetto, Mario, and even like the, you know, sort of, uh, like I still remember like that Sweden team from like 94 with like Kenneth Anderson. Who, yeah, I think they came uh, in you know, fourth or third. Yeah, yeah, really like really did well that year, and like Romania with like Ratichoyu and like Haji and all all these players. So that's really where my fandom started. Love uh, it. Just for the record, I didn't know a single one of those names. So <laughs> yeah. for any of you listening out there who didn't get that, doesn't mean you don't get soccer or whatever. It's I'm all good. Much older than you, <laughs> but um, so from there, um, yeah, sort of opened my eyes to sort of like the wider world of soccer sure. that was there. And started to um, get a little bit more knowledge about club teams. And that's actually where my Liverpool fandom kind of started. Um, Really actually driven in a lot of ways by my younger brother, who um, got 
into Liverpool and like, you know, you'll never walk alone. And at that time, like early mid 90s, it was really coming away from Liverpool's sort of heyday. But there was kind of like a young crop like Steve McManaman, who like I like sort of fell in love with, like Stan Collymore and Jamie McIntyre and all these kind of other players, Robbie Fowler, um, and started being able to follow it a little bit from there. Um, but and then again, like kind of like the 1998 World Cup started, you know, really watched that really heavily. That great sort of Dennis Bergkamp sort of goal against like Argentina. All these sort of like moments where you realize just how great the game could be and like how these there's sort of these indelible moments that, you know, the whole world kind of shares. Absolutely. So it kind of grew from there and, you know, you started to be able to watch more games um, and uh, follow things a little bit more internationally. And ESPN started to uh, follow it more and just, you know, it was, there was more and more opportunities as I sort of got older. Um, so Kwame, let me ask you, like, as you know, like I said, didn't know many of those names. What's it? Yeah. How do you compare the listening experience or the uh, watching experience now of soccer and fan, being a fan of soccer in America now to what it was like when you, uh, you know, kind of first got going? Yeah, it was totally different. Uh, it's completely different. Um, I, you know, I think I'm trying to even remember what was available at that point aside from the World Cup. So, well, first the World Cup. Um, I mean, it was a big deal having it in the U.S., obviously. And so coverage was really available and, like, the time thing, you know, worked really, uh, you know, really well. But um, but outside of that, like, you know, you couldn't get Premier League games easily, certainly not a whole bunch of other leagues. I think occasionally, like, late night, you would maybe get, like, a summary or kind of, like, highlight show, um, uh, like, years on. Like, then you would get, like, a summary show. I remember, like, there was a... There was a show on like MSG Network, <laughs> like one thirty in the morning, and it was like a, a like a half hour um, summary of like the Premier League action of like the weekend, you know. Um, but like the host you know, is like filling in to try to earn a promotion elsewhere. Yeah, well, you know, again, we with one of these like you know great British guys, you know, who could just summarize everything. But it's really hard to watch actual games right right um, between the world cup and hard to watch qualifying as well Mm. even just for like the u.s um uh interestingly should as an aside um well maybe we can talk about this maybe we'll (laughs) i was gonna talk about the women's team but we'll talk about that later maybe a little bit um but yeah but just as like years go by like there were little kind of little changes where things would get just like a little bit more accessible. Like you could get summary shows, yeah. you could get like sort of like a game of the week and sort of on and on. And you could get more on the internet, you could get clips. Um, but really the last few years, there's just been an explosion um, mm-hmm. being able to watch like all these premier league games, but also like, you know, Spanish leagues, like qualifying, like common bowl qualifying, like UEFA qualifying for various things. Um, it's really been like a sea change the last like, five you know five years ten years or so so yeah it's like every year is just this little incremental improvement but when you look back over the course of the you know 24 years since that world cup i mean it's like ridiculous you 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 know we, we even us growing up in you know 2004 2005 we were watching the the they had like a translation of match of the day 
for mm-hmm. the American audience, which is like a condensed version of Match of the Day, which was pretty much the only access we had to the Premier League aside from a bar, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, Clayton and I spent a lot of a lot of late nights eating eating snacks and watching uh, Match of the Day. Yeah. Yeah. We did, we did. Yeah, there was something about it, you know, imagining I was, the, you know, could do that or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I, it, it, yeah. was, it was just intoxicating. And it, These and, days, it's definitely possible to have an endless stream of, of games in right, your life. Right. You and know? they're less rights managed here now than they are in other countries, in, mm-hmm. in the countries in which the games are played. Yeah. Because it's less of a social institution. So it just doesn't matter as much to, you know, to the, to the uh, broadcaster. So, yeah, um, yeah say, it's great to be here. Yeah, I will say there was, like, you know, for a while, like, there was a certain charm to right. like the years like especially you know when you know after you're actually able to go into bars right so mm-hmm. like you know kind of like the you know early like kind of 2000s right where yeah there were big games but especially living in new york that you know um you basically had to like go to like a bar uh to watch the game and at so <laughs> right at eight in the morning <laughs> it's you knew, the best you knew everyone else that was there was kind of like really into it um and I, I mean, some of my like great memories, right, are of going to bars and uh, and watching like games. Like I remember, like you know, this like uh, I can't remember if it was qual- I think it was World Cup qualifying. This game uh, between England and Germany, mm. where like Germany, England hammered Germany, right? Which like never happens, but they hammered them, like five nothing, right? In like you know, in a competitive match, like not like a friendly. And Steven Gerrard was like one of my favorite players of like all time, right? You know, he scored like his trademark Steven Gerrard Thunderbolt, right? But we were watching it and it was like satellite feed and like he struck the ball and like the satellite <laughs> feed like went out for a second. And for like two seconds, like nobody in the bar like knew what happened. And then they came back in and saw that the goal has been scored and like everyone exploded. <laughs> and uh, and like you just like, you know, you, you just like don't kind of get that anymore. Um, I mean, I much prefer honestly now, you know, to like watch, you know, at, with friends or like at home from the comfort of home. But But that also was you know, like the satellite TV kind of like experience um, and like having to go to a bar to watch um, games. Like there was a Champions League final that between like yeah. Chelsea and Bayern Munich, both of whom I despise, but I despise Bayern Munich more. <laughs> and I actually watched the bar surrounded The Roberto by- Di Matteo final. Yeah, the Roberto yeah. Di Matteo with like Drogba with that. Yeah, like Drogba final, yeah. Header at the last minute. And I remember watching that in a, a bar... That was like 90% German Bayern Munich fans. And when the game ended and Chelsea won, and they were all just like silent. Oh, that's one of my sweetest <laughs> memories. That's excellent. You know? in, in the meantime, we have a narrative with the U.S. team that's very similar, where the U.S. team used to be this like scrappy, badass group of guys who like yeah. you know practiced by kicking a ball off the side of their shed. And then, and While now their fans were skipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now they're uh, now they're you know trained by the the, the top uh, coaches in the world from the time they're they're young, and uh, that's better in theory for the U.S. But my one of my theories about why the last cycle didn't go well is because we were kind of in between those two styles of American player. So yeah. I'm curious uh, on your take. You know, having seen the progression from '94, you know, Tab getting 
kicked in uh, elbowed in the in the face yeah. to um to uh you know Brian McBride in in uh 2006 and um all these these great US moments like seeing the team develop but also maybe lose some of its its character. Yeah, you know that's interesting to think about. I mean, I definitely remember right so that 94 World Cup um you know, we were definitely like not supposed to get out of our group, right? Right. right. Which was, you know, Colombia and Switzerland, Switzerland and uh, I forget, forget the third. You know, but we like tie against Switzerland and then we yeah. beat Colombia. You know, and I remember at that time, like you know, there was this excitement, right? Because we didn't really know what our players could like do, right? Right. Um, I didn't really know how good Tab Ramos was or like Marcelo Balboa or like Loss. Like, you know, you knew like these guys were names, you know, but then you saw there was this pride where you saw that we could fight but also compete at like a right. certain level, right. you know. Like the moment I remember most actually from the Columbia game wasn't like the goals, it was um, Marcelo Balboa. I don't know if you remember this. There was this moment where he tries like a bicycle kick. Um, and he smashes. Oh yeah, it, yeah. I've seen like, this clip. Just yeah. Inches away from like the top corner, right? And that actually, I think, shell shocked Colombia more than anything else, and got like the crowd into it. Like I remember, there's a shot of like Tony Miola, like in the U.S. goal, like just like bouncing up and down with glee and like holding his fingers like a few inches apart to show how close right, it was. Right. And it was like, okay, yeah, you know, we can fight, we can compete. But then there's the game against Brazil. In the neck in the knockout rounds, and as you point out, like Tab Ramos gets elbowed in the head by Leonardo, fractures his skull, and there's this realization in that game. And I don't know if it was clear to me sort of at the moment, but we really had one player who could create right from the midfield, and like that was it. And Tab Ramos was really good, but once he went out, it was clear that we didn't have like the depth, and we didn't have necessarily like the quality to sort of like replace, you know, right and and that was, I think, true for... Josie Altidore, cough, cough, cough. <laughs> well, Josie oh, Altidore Josie. Sense, right, in that, in that World Cup where we, we really... He was the one... Yeah, one of this, you know, the World Cup where in 2014 where he pulls his hamstring, right? Like that very first yeah, game. 23 minutes in, yeah. Right, where he was like the only like striker that we really had. Right, right? the only and nine, after, yeah. Right, and after that we had to you know, rely on like... Clint and like Julian Green and, and other things. And it's not that Josie was stupendous, right? But we just had one guy. Um, yeah. And that's often been the case um, in the U.S. Like Claudio Reyna was like the one guy, right, that could sort of create from like the midfield. We other people that showed sort of glimpses, but I think we were really sort of like this hard-nosed team that really knew how to play together, that really knew how to fight. And knew what our strengths were and really knew how to organize ourselves around those strengths. Would you say that we have more midfield creators coming up now than at the time? Um, I mean, I think it, I think it remains to be seen whether we have like kind of true midfield creators in the mold of, I would say Claudio Reyna is probably like the best but in the meantime that that paradigm has changed a lot i mean there's not a lot of teams that play with that traditional like foot on the ball 10 player anymore so there's there's more creativity from the wings like speaking of uh your boys liverpool i don't 
you know they're 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 reliant on the wing play and and countering and and pressing in order to create chances you know they're they're trying to create chances out of chaos not necessarily out of creativity or cleverness you know yeah and i definitely think we have more technical ability as a team right than we did in the past. I think that mm-hmm. that's pretty clear, particularly with this sort of generation that's sort of coming through. But even, um, you know, even in some ways, the the guys who, the, you know, the, the qualification campaign where we failed, I mean, you could make, I mean, you could quibble a lot, and I quibble a lot with some of Bruce Arena's selections, right? <laughs> I think part of what the story there is... You know, one it, might have some complaints. One might have <laughs> <laughs> One or two or twelve, you know. Part of maybe where part of the story of that perhaps is Rus Arena prioritizing um, sort of grit and experience over technical ability, right? Right, Mm -hmm. Um, and thinking that was sort of the way to get through qualifying that puts that it puts some of his choices into context when you think about how like that was the backbone of our success mm-hmm. yeah and you could understand him falling back on that although even i would say uh, him falling back on it, he still didn't fully sort of embrace like the grit yeah you could have fallen back better my bro <laughs> you could have fallen back different <laughs> yeah because like, he didn't he also didn't put us in a in a formation that was all about sort of grit. right right yeah but, so, but, uh, you know, if we go down the Bruce Arena, <laughs> but, um, but I think it's been interesting to watch the U.S. team develop um, and to have more kind of excitement about young players quarter than ever before. I think before it was often about like the established team and sort of what they could do and excitement about what they could do. Right. And uh, and sort of coming together. But, you know, but you couldn't necessarily watch, like, the development, you know. Um, like, you know, you know, they're just thinking about, like, you know, sort of that Brian McBride and, like, John O'Brien and, you know, some of those players over the years. And, um, you know, you were proud of them and kind of what they were doing, but you couldn't follow them as much. And, and mm-hmm. I don't think you would say that they had as much sort of technical ability as I think we're kind of expecting, you know. I mean, you know, we've got Pulisic, but I think we're expecting also, you know, even players like, you know, Tyler Adams and like, you know, Weston McKinney. Right. And, you know, we expect our young players coming forward to develop technical ability. I think before what we were expecting is our players to go out and kind of make a name for themselves and carve out a niche for themselves in the higher levels of European competition. But we didn't necessarily expect them to do it by technical ability. You right, know, right, we expected right, yeah. them to like, fight and like prove that like Americans yeah. can do it and like pull a Dempsey. And, yeah. and I bet that has a lot to do. pull a, a Michael Bradley, even like Michael Bradley at, for example, Michael Bradley, I think that his reputation is a little bit besmirched now. I think that's personally, I think that's a little unfair, but I do think peak Michael Bradley was when he was fighting every day <laughs> yeah. for minutes at Roma at, at Gladbach. Um, and, and I think bringing that fight to the national team where you're fighting for your place and you're also like not getting respected. Right. So you got to be right. better than like the guy you're competing with. 
I think that that is something that's a little different, but it's also not something we expect in the same way. Like we hope, right? And and I think that has something to do with how viewership has changed because we're seeing more games on television, and there's yeah. more club fandom than there used to be. Yeah, and maybe we didn't, we weren't really capable of uh, of expecting technical ability until recently. You know, um, can you tell me a little bit? Because I know you're a Liverpool fan, and there tends to be like two different worlds of viewership in, in the U.S. for uh, soccer fandom. There's like MLS, like, you know, uh, local domestic league fans who are very, who are, and there's a certain flavor to that in this country. And then there's, uh, you know, a larger number of maybe more casual fans who have like their Premier League team. And there's crossover between those two. Um, mainly you've mentioned Liverpool. Do you feel more like a Liverpool fan? Do you have a domestic team that you support? And what's your relationship with the uh, domestic, sort of like domestic fandom in in America? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I'm primarily, like the the club team that I'm the most invested in is Liverpool, and that's by leaps and bounds. Um, In MLS, I would say, you know, the team that I pull for the most is the Red Bulls, um, you know, and I, met, I remember them was they were the Metro Stars, right? Oh, yeah. Um, like the um, and then I would say I also have a soft spot for Portland Timbers um, because I have a soft spot for Fuck Portland. Fuck out of here. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Clayton is just, good, is just cursing at me internally. But, um, but yeah, I do have a soft spot for the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. Um, but... Um, uh, but I would say the Red Bulls is sort of like my main team, but I follow them pretty loosely. I think part of that is, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the level of the play, you know, isn't as high as like, you know, the premiership or other leagues. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge that. Um, I also think that I struggle a little bit with the regular season versus playoffs oh, format. Yeah. I think the playoffs format... You're not alone. For, yeah, it just doesn't... Uh, it's just not how I think of soccer, and I think it also kind of diminishes a little bit like my desire to watch like the regular season games because the level isn't as good, and it also doesn't necessarily mean as much. Right. Um, so, you know, I'll tend to pay attention more in, like, the playoffs um, or, you know, like, the years where, like, the Red Bulls were, like, going for, like, the supporter shield. Um, like, I was a little more invested, like, in that season. Um, but uh, but in general, I'm pretty casual when it comes to MLS. Um, I did this year actually get pretty into NWSL, like, the last half of the season, like, the nice. Women's League. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about my women's. Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Let's do that now. Uh, I I wanted to get back to that one. Yeah. You know, what's me, me, him got to be on that, on the Mount Rushmore of American soccer players, uh, never gets mentioned enough. Um, what's, what was, has your relationship been with the, the women's game and how has that weaved itself in? Because, of course, they're the, the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Significantly I mean, my, better. My, yeah. So my women's team fandom goes way back. I think even maybe to the, I think even to the, maybe to like the 1991 Women's World Cup, mm-hmm. which I think was like the inaugural one. 
Um, and like Norway was like our big rivals, like back in those days. And Fuck really, Norway, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so hateable. Uh, Norway. <laughs> it's like Hufflepuff over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, being like a fan of, you know, like Mia Hamm um, and like all the, the players that sort of came out of North Carolina. But even before that, like I, like the first like big star that I remember for the women's team is like Michelle Akers. Sure. Uh, who, you know, also I don't think gets like the credit like like she deserves, but like, you know, she uh you know, she was sort of an outstanding player. And um yeah, but I remember like watching the women's team and even sort of um they even did like a send-off series, like I think before like the nineteen ninety-nine sort of World Cup where they played sort of local women's team and they came to um my hometown in Rochester and like played some games and they were able to sign like a picture from like my sister. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember like, uh, you know, when hope solo got benched for Brianna Scurry for like, Oh the- yeah. China when we lost like in an ignominious fashion and, and how crazy sort of that was and her getting uh, sent home. I'll also say part of my, and my fandom sort of predates this, but actually part of what drove my personal fandom and attention to the women's national team is um is abby wambach so yeah. Uh, hell yeah abby wambach such actually, a badass i've the known devil. her since she was like nine years old no shit no, you haven't. she wow. played on a youth soccer team with my younger brother when they were like what? 10 because she was like you know she was like Kwame, that, that Kwame, hold on yeah. <laughs> 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 really that's fucking insane yeah. dude it's yeah so no, i've i so you know so i've known of her like since you know since then right and that's uh it. you know she played with my brother's team for like a couple of years and then sort of moved on and i think at that point like got to the point where where there were sort of women's teams that sort of like were advanced and caught up to her but um you know mm-hmm. but she was like you know a big star in like high school like won the state championship with her team and then like went to university of florida which was not like a big soccer school at that time and i think and like I think they won the championship with her as well, but certainly she like elevated them to like national level. I'm right. a couple years older than her, you know. So I was following her, and then when she came on with like the national team, um, you know, of course, like I was following and like, but I followed like kind of all the players, you know, and and I really I would say that I I probably watch as many women's national team games as men's national team games at this point. Um, which also has gotten much more accessible, like the last uh, right, few years, right. especially. Yeah, I've noticed that too. To like ESPN, um, and uh, you know, we you know we won that last World Cup um, in really exciting fashion, and like um, and watching Carly Lloyd, who I've been a fan of for years, mm-hmm. but. Um, Carly Lloyd like peaked at that World Cup. She'd always yeah. been this incredibly. This is my own assessment, and yeah. people disagree. She'd always been this incredibly talented player, um, but kind of sort of the disruptive, um, unpredictable force um, that you could never quite tell what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then at World Cup, she sort of became like the best player and also like the best athlete on the field and right. you sort of stop her and she's sort of exploded in these ways um but uh but i've been really the last four years you know because we're coming up on a women's world cup i guess in like you know like half a year um watching them has been really exciting and the depth of the women's team right now is 
crazy. And so the last few years, especially after the women's team didn't do very well in the Olympics, the coach has been just experimenting with all these sort of different formations and combinations of players. Uh, and it's been really fun to sort of watch and kind of analyze and have my own thoughts about how they should play, whether it should be like a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Who are um, a couple, uh, just, just so that they're out there in the, in the interspace, uh, who are a couple players people maybe should keep an eye on from the... From the for next year, yeah. Um, so I would say absolutely number one, Lindsey Horan. Um, Lindsey Horan is like a very interesting story. So MVP of the, the league MVP this year? MVP of yeah. the league this year. Um, so she's sort of like a, I mean, she's a very versatile midfield player. So she's she's unique in that she's basically the, one of the first American players to go straight to the pros out of high school. Like most of, because like the college right. system is still pretty strong for women, um, you know, a lot of the U.S. players go to college and develop here. And actually a lot of international players as well come right. to the U.S. to play college. But she went to France at age 18, right out of high school, turned down, you know, I mean, she had scholarships everywhere and went and played in in France. And I don't think she actually spoke French at the time. Um, and she's now 24. So she's been, you know, a, a professional player for like six years. Um, and she always had like a ton of talent and a ton of uh, physical skills, but um, felt like there were always just a little slight lapses in concentration in her game. But this past like two years, leaps and bounds. Like I, I would, equ- I would say the equivalent male player for her is Paul Pogba. Um, mm. I think that she is, um, uh, you know, has, you know, has those late runs into the box, has the touch, has like the vision. Um, you know, tends to play a more deep-lying role, but can come through. Um, she's with, got a slightly different look, but don't be deceived. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think she's going to do for the U.S. team in this upcoming World Cup what Pogba did, and I think mm-hmm. she's going to run things. And I think, actually, the U.S. team should think about arranging their formation kind of around her. They've been doing more of a 4-3-3. With her club team, they've been doing like a 4-2-3-1, which she's one of the sort of deep-lying midfielders and she was outstanding at that role so definitely Lindsay Horan I think she's maybe the best player on the team um I would say uh Tobin Heath um who's had a lot of injuries the past year but is this incredibly creative sort of wing player um always has like five different tricks up her sleeve to like just break down and uh, like the defender just break ankles like left and right um and really sort of uh, firing, I think, in her prime. Um, I think, who else? Um, you know, I think Mallory Pugh, there's a lot of excitement around. Gonna, yeah, I was going to ask, pew. she's a little, pew, she's the, the other, the other Pugh-y. I'm trying to make a Pulisic connection, and I just can't yeah. do it. But she's a young, young person, right? She's very young. Um, you know, she had, she lost a lot of this season to like a knee injury. She had like a ligament injury that took her out for a couple months. But she's very fast, very quick, um, getting around the edge, starting to combine a little bit more, I think, with like her teammates. Um, and uh, and she's really she's really exciting. Um, but we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of. Uh, you know, I gotta say, this is pretty interesting stuff. Might have to edit this out, but I might see a mini series in the works. There might yeah. be a mini series. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> But, you know, so the women's team, they start their 
World Cup qualifying on in a couple of days. Mm. Uh, okay. And, you know, they should qualify pretty comfortably at a CONCACAF. You've said that before. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only Trinidad, don't worry. Uh, but it is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. One of the things that's, that's been really interesting in the women's game is the way the rest of the world has really caught up. Right. Um, both yeah. internationally. Um, you know, it used to be that both physically and technically, we were pretty much ahead of the rest of the world. There, were, there was always one or two teams that maybe could rival us, sort of like Norway and then China and Brazil. But really, we usually had to worry about one or two teams. But the last few years, last four to like eight years, um, a lot more teams, particularly in Europe, but other places as well, have been putting money into their women's uh, their women's right. national team programs, and also a lot of uh, big club teams have put money into uh, women's teams. So, like the a lot of like the French club teams have like associated women's teams, Lyon and sort of Marseille. So, like the French league is really good. Um, Manchester City and some of like the mm-hmm. other like Chelsea and some of the other like English clubs have women's teams and like they have so they they using now like a lot of the same facilities as like the men's team. Um, like Carly Lloyd has like a bunch of stories about like bumping into like Pep Guardiola like in like the Manchester City kind of training area. So the U.S. you know is strong. It's like for like, man, real recognize real. In that <laughs> yeah, <area>. exactly. <laughs> but like the U.S. is really strong. But Germany has been has always been really good. But France is really good. Brazil, Canada has gone in leaps and bounds. Australia. What if, when, what if when they bumped shoulders, it was like a Freaky Friday situation? Yeah. And they switched. And Maybe Carly Lloyd. Lloyd has been Pep Guardiola this whole time. we got to look into it's this. Certainly <laughs> possible. It's certainly possible. Uh, so, you know, yeah, but there's a lot of teams that could win the World Cup this year, which makes it pretty exciting and nerve-wracking. And we have a lot of choices to make. Um, so the coach is a lot riding on her shoulders about, you know, new players, old players, formations, uh, goalkeeper, you know, it's really, it's really fascinating. What's, what's interesting to me is I think most people are biased towards one team or the other. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And there's a lot of reasons, you know, that are valid. And there are some which that are just bullshit. two teams, the, the, the men's team two? and the women's team, you know, most, oh, I would say most people uh, yeah. have kind of a focus team that they, that they root for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what, what has led you to the, the stance, not stance, but just, you know, habit of uh, being an equally the, a fan in, of To both. the enlightened... Yeah. yeah, to this enlightened, to the enlightened state, state of equilibrium. That you've achieved. How'd you get yeah, there, bro? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I just, I think that they're, in my head, like they're both... It's two different experiences, but they're both like equally like the U.S. team, right? They're both equally representing, you know, U.S. soccer. Um, their fights... Are, are are different, right? Like the 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 men's team, you know, it's more of like an uphill battle, right? To qualify, is it you know, ever? Like <laughs> teams, just yeah. a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> and you know, and the women's team, uh, you know, is you know always you know in contention for the the championship. But there's, uh, but they're both pretty quintessentially. American, I guess. I guess it's it's hard for me to. I guess it's hard for me to to think back where it felt like a choice that I had to make. Right, right. Yeah, it's like when when when, uh, when in the Olympics, you know, we don't necessarily care 
whether it's a male sprinter or female sprinter or male swimmer or female swimmer, we, we, it, uh, as far as I know, the viewership trends are like relatively, relatively similar, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. um, So it it is surprising that, that in soccer, it's, it's like the, it, part of it is the machismo of the rest of the world rubbing off or, you know, the machismo of the States, of course, manifesting Mm -hmm. in this way in, in soccer, which is a, 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 a sport that has been a vehicle for prejudice in a lot of ways. It's been a, an equalizer in many ways, but it also has this kind of dark side of like, there's lots of sexism at, and, and racism at stadia. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And both teams are, are in different ways kind of uh, create an insider feeling like with, with, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, somehow I think the stakes are raised because for the, for the women's team, it's it, affected by being a fan of women's sports, which in America is weird, uh, uh still. And, uh, for the men's team, it's being a fan of a bad soccer team, which is not <laughs> a cool sport. And so the stakes are kind of high on both sides, you know? Yeah, but I think you know, but I think there's also something to be embraced, but in, in that I think a little bit, you know, and I think maybe it's a little bit a part of like that, you know, it's part of what we were talking about earlier, like why you go to like the bar at like eight a.m. right, like on a Saturday, right? Like you know that this is sort of like an outsider passion that you, yeah. you know, but that other people have too, um, and I, I think that you know, again, like the women's team. You know, for years, even though they were champions, right? And they were. And I, I got to add as well that women's sports is really carving out its place. You know, the WNBA in Seattle yeah. finals were a big deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, here. And so it's, 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 it's on its way. Yeah, it's growing and it's getting, and it's getting traction. Um, and, um, you know, and part of that, I think, is sometimes because, like, the excellence of, like, you know, the when women athletes oh, get the a excellence chance, like, of the athletes yeah oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sort of, the, yeah the great play like, and sound tactics when you actually get you know when you actually get a chance to see like yeah these women athletes like their excellence is sort of undeniable right, right and so right. um and so like that allows things to grow but you know going back to like the divide maybe a little bit i mean i do think that perhaps part of it was um the women's team struggled for respect and recognition also very much from their own federation you know that's let's, let's mm. add right um th- despite how good they were and despite sort of like their excellence you know even going back to like you know the world cup in canada and playing on like turf fields and things like that right so really fighting for respect despite their yeah. excellence and i think you know the men's team um got a lot of attention and respect despite, you know, struggling more. And so I think that that can create, understandably, for, you know, sort of fans of the women's team, a sense of, like, you know, of, you know, why is, you know, why do we have to, you know, why can't we sort of be recognized, right? Sort of, like, on equal footing, you know, like, what more do we have to do to, like, get your attention and and respect and i think that that can also maybe rub off a little bit to people who are you know not paying attention to like how good they are and just sort of paying attention to them i think they've earned it and yeah next next summer they uh, earned it you know how awkward i felt when the men's friendly got turned off for the wnba final Mm. (laughs) i could i didn't know how to feel yeah they earned it um 
I, I'm wondering if next summer will maybe be the, the silver lining of the men's team's failure. Because there, there might be an effect where people are, have, have a little bit of a World Cup um, mm. you know, energy that's, that's yeah. been raised by having watched the U.S. Involved. without the, <laughs> if you will, I didn't say it, he said it. Uh, so, um, so maybe there will be a little groundswell. Um, so yeah. the, the last thing, I want to I wanna wrap us up here, and we're so appreciative of your time, Kwame, coming on and, and being a part of this show, which you have been a part of behind the scenes this whole time. Um, and actually, uh, there was briefly you created the DNA to, for the for the, the for the listeners. There was a brief attempt to do a show <laughs> with Kwame uh, the, uh, about the World Cup. So we may or may not do that at some point in the future. We shall see. Reach but, out uh, to us. Reach out Kwame, to us at WTP Pod. Call out, out for the Kwama the Kwamifier. The Kwamifier <laughs> has been there the Kwam whole time. Das. Um, my my last uh, uh, query is about the nature of being kind of a dual national. Mm. And so we're, we're Japanese American people. So we have, we have some sense of that experience, but there are a lot of people who grew up the way that you did with, with two parents who are from another country who cho- who choose as fans to root for that country. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious what led you, you know, in your formative years in 1990, 1994 to care more about the U S team that crappy U.S. team than the Black Stars and and your, your experience in general being kind of a, a, a you know bicultural fan of this. this yeah, or would team. you say you cared more? Or about yeah, it? yeah. Right. So exactly. this is so this is a very loaded uh, question. So I would not say I would not say that I care more about the U.S. team. Get the fuck off of this podcast, Kwame. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'll, let me just let me just okay. Say, that um, as much as I love the U.S. team and as much as I love the World Cup, I I was absolutely tortured <laughs> for years <laughs> straight when year World Cup after World Cup, the U.S. would play Ghana. I cannot like, imagine. I cannot imagine I'm, what you must have been going through. Uh it was just absolutely torturous. And because <laughs> I, you know, um, I mean, we were talking in the beginning about how difficult it was to watch, um, you know, soccer games sort of growing up, right? And, you know, triple that for um, African uh, nations, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. nations, right? Even now, like, I would say it's still, you know, maybe, you know, probably. Um, maybe it's a little easier to watch like African, like Cup of Nations right. or other things matches than, um, than like, you know, Asian, um, nations, but, but like, you know, those, those are like the two that are like difficult to watch. Like, I mean, you know, I can, I can find like North American, South American, European, you know, um, you know, qualifying, but like, you know, Ghana versus like Kenya and, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like you can't. It's really, really hard to find. Like even, you know, you get a little bit of it, like maybe on like BN sports, but like very sporadically. So part of it is sort of like access. Um, and then part of it is like in those early World Cups that I was able to watch, like, you know, 94, 98, um, like Ghana didn't qualify. Right. Was like Nigeria, you know, who's like, you know, Ghana's sort of like big rivals, like on the continent, you know, so... Um, so I didn't really have the opportunity to root for Ghana 
um, in the way that I did, you know, sort of recently. Um, and I still feel, feel very deeply sort of Ghanaian, right? Um, and so, uh, my loyalty. So you're saying when you were young, the Ghanaian team didn't scout you out as a fan. <laughs> it didn't scout me out. Uh, they didn't send you they care packages. Yeah, basically, no care packages. Nothing. <laughs> you were uh, clearly a great fan yeah. in the making. But when, but when the U.S. plays Ghana, I watch the game, and it's like, it, and I get no joy. It's basically like, <laughs> <laughs> I want a black hole is created. I say like, okay, you know, whoever. You know, whoever wins, you know, <laughs> elimination, right? Like, whoever wins, like, I'm going to go on and continue to support. But, like, but but it's 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 torturous. Like, I, I, I don't walk away. It's so funny because it's, like, the pinnacle of what a soccer game could be for you. It's, like, the <laughs> ultimate heightened experience. Yeah. And it just cancels itself out. And you're just, like, <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, but... But it, you know, but also it has been, you know, great to see Ghana, uh, you know, do so well. I mean, I will say, you know, soccer is a game where if you're a fan, you're going to have painful moment after yeah. painful moment, right? Yeah. It's, like it's not always fun. Heart, yeah, yeah, just like soul crushing, like you know, like your chest is caved in. Um, you know, I will say, like, That's the good in, part, my top, in my top three, <laughs> right, is like the 2010 World Cup Ghana against Uruguay, oh, where John one of the best matches ever against like the crossbar. Uh, like, against I was actually, I was actually watching that game with my parents because uh, they came to New York for like a visit, and I was watching and. When that penalty hit, hit the crossbar, like I literally, like I was, wa- I was like watching in front of the TV, like on my knees, and like when he missed it, I'd like literally like toppled over, like <laughs> in a space plant onto the carpet. Um, so uh, yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, very passionate about Ghana, um, but I kind of assumed that because of your extreme love for the Nats, that there could yeah. be no other. You know, you I didn't know really know specifically about is. how much you liked the Ghanaian national team, but I just know that you love the U.S. so much. But what we're learning is that you just have a lot of love to give, Kwame. I, I have so much love to give. NWSL, MLS, Premier League, USMNT, USWNT, everybody's getting love. Yeah. Catch up to, to, catch up to Kwame's world. Too, but, you know, when, I, you know, when it <laughs> comes to soccer. Pod. I love that's for another hate, pod. But soccer hate, specifically. I have a lot yeah, of soccer yeah, I don't yeah. like a lot global hate but i have a so, lot of like soccer hate so you know it gets balanced out a little bit Kwame, but, yeah. what a delight to have you on the air at long last i'm so grateful for you taking the time for supporting the show spreading the word uh it's it's been an honor and really glad to have you on my absolute pleasure um let's do it again yeah enough with the interviews let's wrap this shit up. Oh, what a ride, folks! Uh, maybe, maybe enough with the what interviews. A what a what a delight! Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe an hour and a half of interviews was more than you were expecting. But, <laughs> but you know, whatever. We it was figured, it was less than I was hoping for. <laughs> we figured we'd ball out and just enjoy I it. I don't think I don't think Kwame has enough opinions on shit. You know, <laughs> nor does he have enough background knowledge or experience. Right, right. Uh, that dude needs to research. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? If he's going to be on the show, <laughs> yeah, we're we're kidding, of course. We catch the guy in like the middle of a Wednesday, 
uh, you know, it's a regular day and he's like ready to go. It's the, and, and this, this worth mentioning it was true about Brenda and Josh. I thought I was, well, I was really delighted, uh, to listen back to these in editing, um, and just realize that they were far more in, they were far more interesting than the parts where it was just you and me. <laughs> and like, yeah, and it yeah, was great. Right. Like, I, we're glad you love the show and we're very sort of uh, self-deprecating here, but, but yeah, no, it was really cool to hear them. And, 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 and they, every, all three of these, uh, these guests slash listeners slash friends, uh, really came to the plate with some actual insights about the game and, and, uh, how it, how it affects the world at large. So we're, we were, I was really happy. Uh, to listen. Yeah, to totally. Things. Totally. Yeah. And I, the, you know, the more I go out to games and just like talk to fans after game, you know, pre game, I've been doing some, some video recording out in the parking lot, uh, videos pending and, and just asking people questions about their histories with the team and like how this, how this tangled web caught them. Um, and it's just so fascinating to hear. So I, I was really glad to get like the, the full range of, of experiences there. Um, to kind of compare and contrast with our own. And it's something that I, I would love to just kind of keep doing, just just get those voices not from the platitude-spewing athletes necessarily. Right. <laughs> so we have some, some athletes who can talk for sure, but, uh, but in my opinion, it's even more exciting as sort of a fan of the culture of the game to hear the people who represent that culture and, and, and what it means to them. So... Thank you all for coming on, and again, thank you to everyone at home for for uh, listening and and being a part of this. It's been a great ride, and we are going nowhere. Nowhere's from now till infinity time nine five baby, uh, folks. Please tell your friends about the show. Like, make it make maybe make it uh, your your little secret mini troll goal this week at, at work to mention it to one person. If each of you could just you know uh, puts this on the radar in someone's life that doesn't already know about it, uh, that can make a big difference for us. And yeah. and, and then we can. This gets more fun for for all of us, including you, the listeners. The more people get involved, so. So let's let's build the thing. Let's do it more. My dream is that uh, when I go to one of these games, someone yells at me because of some shit that I said on this show. Yes, which has we, yet to happen. We want. But I did. I did t- tiptoe gingerly around Giassi Zardes the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, and like and like, uh, yeah, Bobby Wood. The, I'm like was, hiding my T-shirt. Like. <laughs> I don't really want him to know who I am. Yeesh, the traffic cone. Yeesh. I'd be fine with it. I'll I'll, 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 I'll make that joke to his face. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe yeah, we good won't. Good luck with that. You know, be friends, Giassi Zardes yeah. and I. But uh, you know, I hope a mutual can, respect could yeah, be yeah. forged. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he can understand that. Although he, you know, my my opinion of his soccer skills has nothing to do with my opinion of him as a person. We can hang out. Right. Just like his opinion of our broadcasting skills <laughs> has nothing to do with his opinion of us as people. <laughs> or our All right, analysis. get us out of here. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, we have loved it. 100,000 more. 100,000, I say more. Uh, I like it a lot when I like uh, the I lost my phone, the find my iPhone feature. I, I, I'm having to resort That's to that today, insane. in fact. Uh, sad, sad day. Um, but it exists. I know where it is. It's in Kent. It's going to be a drive, but uh, we're going to make it happen. I it's, like it's it in a when back alley, <laughs> deep in the heart of Kent. I keep having these for like, an unknown these, reason. <laughs> I keep having these like these paranoid visions of getting to the house, and it's actually the bouncer who intentionally stole my phone. 
and and like and then it, and then it becomes some sort of a confrontation. I'm I'm really terrified of what's going to happen when I get to Kent. I just you open know. the door and it's Giassi Zardes, <laughs> and he's been waiting for you. <laughs> oh God! I like putting, I like putting salt on an avocado, but I was once uh, advised to try out pepper. What the fuck? Oh try yeah, it. not bad. Oh yeah, and I also love cider. I love me a cider. So lost phones. <laughs> cider <laughs> we putting the pieces together here uh folks but i don't love any of that shit as much as i absolutely adore the gnats and i will love the gnats forever and ever amen till death do us part <laughs> amen <laughs> goodbye people bye it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people whatever happens happens all right. All right. Sounds good. So do you have, uh, do you have like questions? Should I just start talking and, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give yeah. you a, a, a mild prompt and let you go. Okay. We'll, we'll ask questions like how, in, yeah. how, it, when sometimes in life people have conversations, you know, what yeah. is your deepest fear? Yeah. <laughs> Snails. Snails. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> They're terrifying. Yeah. It's going to be a rough life for you, bro. <laughs> yeah. The snails out there are tenacious. When it rains. They are. Snails they are. of New York. <laughs>